right. You know, I was going to do that video, be the guy in there, but I decided not to show off, so just, just so you know. We're going to do a shout out this morning. I love God and I love you. A lot and uh, goodbye, youth. If you're in the youth group and uh, you'd like to hang out with Pastor Jimmy upstairs, we're gonna say goodbye to you. We love you and we hope that you love God as well. So, thank you guys for joining us in worship. Bless you all, and thanks, Pastor Jimmy, for leading us this morning in the welcome and the communion and that sort of stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, after the after uh, looking at the Great Commission a couple of weeks ago, and then last week hearing from Pastor Jimmy about being able to share our testimonies and the importance of that. And so hearing those kind of things, we're going to finish up our series today uh, by talking about some strategies to help uh, each of us go and make disciples as we share our faith and our context. But before we get to those, I I want to look at a a few words from Jesus that he shares right before he sends his disciples uh, to go and share, share their faith. He says this to them. Jesus says, look, I'm sending you guys out among, uh, among wolves. So you're going to go out, you're going to be like sheep. And I know that outside there, there are wolves. So as you go out, I want you to, therefore, be shrewd as a snake and as innocent as doves. So Jesus says that we need to, as we go out, we need to, be, we need to go out with careful consideration. We need to go out with wisdom. We need to go out, uh, yes, with clean and pure hearts, but not naively. We need to think through and, and plan and strategize what's the best possible way to go out and reach people. That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, I'm sending you out into a world where they want to destroy you. Be shrewd as you go out there, but innocent. So the reason I share strategies and the reason that we're talking about the best way to share our our faith is because we want to go out and be the most winsome that we can possibly possibly be. So we need to be strategic, thoughtful, planned. We need to be shrewd, as Jesus says. So that's the first kind of idea I have. The second idea that I have is, as we talk about a few strategies uh, today, other than the testimony, your testimony is going to be your most powerful uh, strategy, really, because that's what God's done in your life. And so that's the most powerful one. But as we talk about other strategies, I think we need to first talk about the heart behind strategies, because the greatest strategy is not a strategy at all. It's actually caring. So if we don't start here, then it doesn't matter what strategy we attempt to use. If we don't start with a caring heart for the world, then nothing we say or do will matter. It will come off just as empty as anything sort of infomercial that anyone's going to see on TV if we don't actually care. We've got to get to this place where we care. Tony Campolo, a famous evangelist, teacher, and, and uh, semi-Bible guy, depends on how much you like Tony Campolo, uh, one time he gave a sermon, and he said this in the sermon, and I have the quote here for you. He said, I have three things to say to you today. First, while you were sleeping last night, 30,000 kids died of starvation and disease related to malnutrition. Secondly, most of you don't give a blank. And what's worse is you're more upset with the fact that I said blank than the fact that 30,000 kids died last night. Now, I'll tell you honestly, church, I debated like, ooh, should I not even give credit to Tony Cavallo and should I just say it all full out and boom it? Because that would give the right weight. But I know some of you are really sensitive with language and I love you too much to be able to hurt you. I don't want to hurt your spiritual lives. 
but I, but I do agree fully with Tony Campolo. So I'm not saying it, but... And, and he didn't say blank, by the way. <laughs> he, he, said, he said it full on. And I couldn't help... I read, this, I read this quote probably once every couple of months, and I'm bothered that he would say it in church. That's the part that I go back to. And that's exactly his point. I don't go back to the first part. This is powerful because it's got the S word at church. <laughs> but then I've totally proven his point. Because that's why I think it's powerful, not because kids are starving. So I want to use that idea. And I personally think about, I'm sure you touched on it, I think about the five billion people on this planet who don't know Jesus who are not going to go to heaven, who in fact will be in hell if they don't meet Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He is the only access point to heaven. And I think about those kind of people, and do I even give a care? Do I even care at all? I think about five billion people, and it, like that number is daunting. It, it's an enormous number. And then I was sort of thinking, like, is it really daunting or is it kind of exciting? I think it's daunting if God is not big enough to reach those people, then that's an overwhelming number. But it's exciting if God is big enough to actually reach 5 billion people. See, we live in a time where there's the potential to reach more people for Jesus than any other time in human history. See, rather than say, like, oh, man, there's so many that we can't possibly reach, what we get to say is, like, look how ripe the opportunity is. I mean, before when there were only, like, you know, 10 million people on the planet, like, that's a way smaller number. And you, you couldn't possibly have as many converts now. We could each have, like, thousands and ten thousands of converts each, and we still won't even make a dent on it. The pool is huge to be able to fish from. There are billions of people who need to hear about Jesus Christ and come to know him as their Lord and Savior. What an exciting time, because there's never been this many non-believers on the planet, and there's never been this many believers either. There are more believers today than there's ever been, uh, ever, on, on this planet, just by, by the way, numbers work and, and by population explosion. And so that's an exciting thing, that we have the potential to reach more people than any other generation or couple of generations in human history. But the only way that happens at all is if we care enough to pray like Jesus that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the only way that it happens, because the care has to happen first. The strategies or the planning of the churches or the planting or the sending, all of that won't matter if we don't care. That's the necessary heart that comes before. It propels and is in every single strategy. Charles Spurgeon writes this about the heart of caring when sharing the gospel. Charles Spurgeon writes... He says, I must feel that I shall die if I do not succeed. I must bring this, these souls to Christ. I want the blessing for them. I must have it. That's the true spirit in which to go about the work. We dare not preach as if it were a matter of indifference whether souls were saved or not. We must have them saved. And when God writes must across our hearts, he will write must across their hearts. The words of Charles Spurgeon. So the first strategy isn't a strategy at all. It's, it's actually caring. 
And keep in mind that, that it's not you or I who ever convert anybody. It's the Holy Spirit, his work of convincing, convicting, and then converting. All he tells us to do is, he says, just go say something. You don't have to convince them. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to say any of the right words. You go and say, like, the Jesus loves you. And, and they're going to think, oh, I need that. And you're like, you do? Yes. You spill any sort of nonsense about Jesus out. Oh, correct nonsense, not heretical nonsense. You say something, even if it sounds dumb to you, even if you don't think that you know what you say, and you care about the person, and, you, and you're looking at them, and you're like, man, I want them to go to heaven. And friend, I love you so much, I, I just got to say this, Jesus loves you. And then you'll be shocked to see the Holy Spirit use that. That person says, well, how do I get this, Jesus? And I'm glad. I didn't know you were going to ask, but just ask him to come into your life. I want to do that. And you're like, you do? Like, you're shocked. Because God will do the work. He just asked you to go and say something. He asked you to tell people about him, to share what he's doing in your life, to give your testimony to them. And then he'll do all the rest. It's our job to go and simply tell. So as we go, I wanted to share a few, finish up our, our time together uh, in this series. I wanted to share a few practical strategies because I do want to be as shrewd as we can, knowing that first I've got to care about it, but then once I care about it, then, then I've got to be strategic about it. And so I just wanted to share a few strategies, not from my own brain because that would be a hot mess, but I wanted to share a few strategies that I see Jesus using. And anytime we say Jesus, like, he's a pretty good example for, like, how to do stuff, how to, like, reach the world, because, like, because he's Jesus, you know. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight a few things that Jesus does that we can copy. The first is, uh, Jesus starts conversations with anyone. He doesn't care if they're prostitutes or tax collectors or Samaritans. Like, he doesn't care. He'll be at the bar. Uh, he wasn't at the strip club, but if the strip club came to him, he'd share with them. If the strippers came out of the club and shared with him, uh, talked to him, he'd share with them. So he was willing to talk to anyone. Like in First John, uh, Pastor Jimmy mentioned uh, where, where Jesus was talking to that Samaritan woman who was like a culturally not his people, would make him unclean to talk to her. Uh, Gender-wise was not the correct people. Uh, Age-wise, I mean, who just knows? Like all things were like, but he's talking to this lady. All things were... That's not how it should normally roll, but that's how he rolls. He got in trouble all of the time for talking to sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and people who didn't belong. And he talked to the religious leaders and the highest of of the possible church folks. He talked to every single person in between. And so there we go. Start a conversation with anyone. Look, I know we all have really good friends that we connect to, and that's really important. We've got to have great friends. We've got to have people that we spend time with, that we connect to, that, that we talk to. But I think we can't only have great friends that we talk to. Like we need to start to be open and available to have conversations with some other people. There's so many other conversations that we can have. If you're in school with people that sit by you in your lecture time, uh, if you're at work, there are people at work, uh, whether you live in a dorm or on a campus. Uh, for those of you that aren't in college and we're a little bit older, when you're in the stands at like your kid's sporting event, when you're at another PTA meeting, there's all sorts of people that we can start conversations with. Super num- supermarket all over the place. So why not see every person that we meet as a potential conversation partner? It doesn't mean that every single time you have to dump on them. Just every person, how about you start talking to them? 
Look how Jesus talks to the lady. The first thing he says is what? Could I get a drink of water? That's it. He didn't say, you know, you're going to hell and you need to just go here for 10 reasons why God exists. He didn't. He just said, could I have some water? I just want to start a conversation with you. And he was absolutely intentional about starting that conversation. That was not an accident. So that's the first suggestion or the first strategy. Start a conversation with anyone. The second one is similar to it. Adjust your life pattern so that you can have conversations that are possible. Adjust your life patterns so that you can meet with people who you might normally not meet with. Jesus goes out of his way to connect with people. There was this one time he walks down this street where he knows there's going to be a tax collector booth because he has in mind that day to call this guy named Matthew, who's a tax collector, or Levi. And he walks down this street. Now, that's not a random walk. <laughs> he wasn't going like, oh, I wonder what's down this. What check it? He intentionally goes out of his way whatever his route was, so that he could meet with this person, so he could share the good news with Matthew. And ultimately, Matthew says, yes. Jesus says, like, oh, I just want to hang out with you. And he's like, okay, follow me. Okay, like, just like that. Because he went out of his way. So sometimes, for us, our strategy is maybe we got to go out of our way. I don't know about you, but, but I can get caught up in a really Christian circle. Like, I can have uh, my discipleship friends, my men's group of Christians. Uh, I teach a Bible study on Wednesday. Then, uh, you know, I hang out with some other Christians. My, my good friends are Christians. And then my wife is Christians. My family's Christians. And unless I'm, unless I'm, uh, don't be a little bit more careful, then all I ever see is Christians. And so I have to be intentional to put myself in, in places where I can meet some non-Christians. So maybe I join a sports club where you can, I don't know what they do at those things, right? work out or something, like do that. Uh, go to a different store, or if you're like a coffee person, maybe go to a different coffee per- place and then get to know the, the people that work there or the people who are regular there. Um, when you go to class, if you're, if you're a student, you sit by uh, someone that you don't always. I know, I was just telling my friend Sam, like we all come to church and we sit in the exact same places. And church is fine, you know, but maybe when you go to the next teacher conference, you don't sit exactly in the exact same place with the same teacher that you always sit with at every conference or or business conference or wherever you go. Maybe we become a little bit intentional about going outside of the patterns that we normally go on so that we can meet some people. If you're not regularly talking to people, um, just make a couple of small changes, and then you're going to interact with some people that you've never met. The third strategy is ask questions. Now, if you spend any time in the Gospels, you see that Jesus does this all of the time. So to the disciples, he says, like, oh, who do you say that I am? And uh, to a blind guy, he says, what do you want me to do? Uh, To religious people, he says, what do the scriptures say? And to a whole crowd, he says, can any of you, by worrying, add a single day, uh, hour to your life? And so almost always, and people ask Jesus questions, and you'll see mostly he just asks them a question back, right? And so he uses questions all of the time as a strategy. And so I think that we can emulate that. We need to prepare questions to ask. So as we have that conversation, it's really cool to find out, oh, you have kids, oh, that's neat. But that conversation has to lead somewhere. And we can lead it somewhere by being careful and uh, conscientious and intentional with the questions that we ask within that conversation. We can be shrewd in a conversation to draw it near to where it's about spiritual things. So it helps, I would say, to have a couple of questions ahead of time. Because if you're just trying to always think of questions on the fly, maybe it's a little bit difficult. 
One thing, a question that's really appropriate right now uh, that you might have, hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you in a little bit. Hey, how's your new year? That's cool. Maybe a transition question is like, hey, what are some of your dreams for this new year? Oh, why is that a dream? See, then now we're getting a different kind of question. You're going to get to the heart of what the person is worried about. Oh, my dream is for my kids to come back to me. My dream is for me to be able to get out of debt because I'm drowning and it's hurting my marriage or whatever, you know, right? So this kind of question and the why are you dreaming that question is a really cool question because it allows people to start to open up, which will allow then opportunities for you to share Jesus. Maybe uh, you're talking to them and, and they're telling you about some new thing that they got and then you, you ask the question, oh, wow, do you feel fulfilled in your life? Or you're talking about your work maybe hey, you know, I've been thinking about fulfillment and stuff. Do you feel fulfilled at work? And then that opens this conversation. Do you ever feel like something's missing as we go about the same old, same old, same old? Man, what a great question. Do you feel like something's missing? They maybe talk about work, but you have something else in mind to share. Or or you just come up and and say, hey, what do you guys think of prayer? Like, Do you ever do it, (laughs) that prayer thing? Almost 95% of this study says 90-something percent of Americans pray. So they, you're going to be on pretty common ground <laughs> with almost everyone. I, I like this one. Um, you come to, to work maybe or you go wherever you are and then you ask a, a, a colleague or a friend, you say like, hey, I'd like to get your opinion on something. My pastor was saying this on Sunday and I just wanted to hear what you thought of it. <laughs> Suckers, yes. And then you get to tell whatever the sermon was, and you get to tell them, right? So you gotta, you got to tell them what you were learning so then they can give their opinion, and then you just absolutely just told them what the sermon was, and they didn't even go to church. I didn't have to do the work. So fantastic. It's a win-win-win, right? I love that one. And it works all the time with, like, hey, could I get your opinion on, like, this morning I was reading the Bible, so that may throw them off, right? But, yeah, I was reading the Bible. What do you think about this verse? Like, just a friend that's a not-Christian. And you can even, if you know, they're like, oh, I'm not a Christian. Oh, I know. That's why I wanted to get your opinion. Oh, well. What do you think other people think? When you ask it that way, then they're going to absolutely share their own honest opinion. What do you think other people would hear when they heard this verse? I was reading it this morning. <laughs> or, I'll, I had this thought. I just want to get your opinion on it. And you share whatever thought is in your head, spiritual as you're going through this conversation. So we've got to to ask questions, and then have a couple of prepared. Um, I have four or five that, that I have prepared that I'm ready to talk to you. Uh, I, I actually have to do it with small talk. The, the deep talk comes a little easier for me. I have four or five small talk questions. If I've asked you the same ones every time, uh, that's because I haven't prepared. I'm not good at small talk. Um, I'm not really good, like, uh, when we stand in line for the ca- to, to eat at lunch together. That's why I say hi to you, ask one or two questions that I've prepared, and then I go to the next person, because I'm not really good at it. I, I can't think of them. <laughs> I get, I get nervous, and then uh, Jennifer, Kian's wife, she says, like, oh, you look so awkward. And I'm like, thanks, because <laughs> no, all oh, totally natural. I do this really good. Um, so I love you. I prepared some questions to ask you. Uh, you know, how was your week? That's a good one. I usually go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Too much honesty. Now it's going to be awkward every time for everyone. I can't even talk to you in, at lunch line anymore. 
And I know you don't want to get out of line, so you don't even leave. That's the only time I can, like, you're forced to hang out with me and talk. I know. Don't think it's not an accident. <laughs> like, I know some of you try to avoid me because it's awkward. That's fine, too. It's all, all the cards on the table. So I got some questions. Strategy number four. Share Jesus as good news. <laughs> Jesus is really good news. <laughs> He's incredibly good news. Sometimes we think that we're going to tell them bad news, right? You're going to your friend like, oh, you're thinking, I've got to tell him about Jesus. That's the way the accountant comes to me when he says, I've got to tell him he owes $8,000 on his taxes. I go to people like that feeling, but, but then that's not good news. They sense you're like how upset you are about having to share this. Share Jesus as good news. There's this fantastic thing that you can do internally there's a helpful question you can ask yourself. You could say to yourself, how is Jesus good news for this person? How's Jesus good news for my friend Kathy? How's Jesus good news for uh, Greg, who's going through whatever he's going through? And then ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I don't even know. Reveal to me how Jesus would be good news for this guy. And the Holy Spirit will. Is there a story about Jesus then or an aspect about the atonement or his goodness that will bring joy to them, hope or light or life in their situation? How is Jesus good news in their situation? Maybe they're drowning in debt and you're like, oh, there's such good news. Paul says there's peace in the middle of that. He says, uh, just like Steph Curry always writes his same verse, I can do all things, talking about his financial situation because he struggles sometimes with that, Steph Curry, I think. Um, so he always says that verse, that, that he can handle every financial situation, whether rich or poor, because God will give him strength. Wow, that's powerful. Powerful Steph Curry could be powerful for someone who's drowning in debt. That would be really good news for someone who's overly stressed about debt. Someone who's dealing with depression that nobody loves them. Say, oh, you know what? God, the universe loves you. Oh, good news. And he sees you, and he knows your name, and he knows everything about you. Great news. Is there part of your own personal testimony that will be good news to this person? Ah, man, I used to struggle. And then God freed me. So how is Jesus good news to this person? Strategy number four. Strategy number five, we're almost there. We're just going to six. Be ready. Like, Jesus is pretty easy. He was ready at all times. He was God, so he had that going for him. Um, (laughs) But he was also ready at every moment to share the good news at all times. And so for us, though, maybe we're not, uh, we're certainly not God, and we're not smart as even the, whether his godness and his humanness, how that all works together. We're certainly not even as smart as his humanness, if that could be isolated. I'm not sure it can be. But, um, but he was ready at all times. So I need to probably be prepared. So I need to personally practice a gospel script, because otherwise... I, I'll get tongue-tied and I'll say things that are strange. And so for me, I've memorized, if I have 30 seconds, I know how to share the gospel with someone in 30 seconds. I've memorized it. Uh, I know how to share the gospel with someone if I have between two and five minutes. And I I know how to share the gospel with someone if they're trapped on a plane with me for eight or more hours. And I've memorized uh, those long speeches. And uh, some time ago, I've memorized them. So now I don't need to... Now they change a little bit because... They're in my brain, and they just come a little bit naturally nowadays when I share. But, but it's important to maybe just write that out and, and memorize a script. It's okay. That's called strategy. 
It's called preparing. It's I care enough about you to actually prepare something. Like it's not a bad thing. It's fantastic. Actively, so so as I'm ready, I want to not only prepare, become comfortable and practice how to share the gospel, but then I want to start to look uh, for opportunities to share the gospel. I want to be active and intentional about this. I want to start to pray about it. I want to start to say, God, God, show me an opportunity where I can share the gospel today. Show me an opportunity where I can talk about you one time today. God, and then I want to be open when that time arrives. Because there's two parts of that prayer, right? God, God show it to me. Sometimes we see it and then we're like, nah, <laughs> I'm not open. I'm not ready. I'm not. <laughs> but say both parts. God, I, I, I want I you to show me the opportunity and then I want to be open to taking that opportunity. And if you start to pray that, then God's going to show you more opportunities than you. You'll, you didn't even know how many opportunities you have until you start to look around for them. It's like you didn't know how many people drove a Honda Civic until you bought one, and then all of a sudden there's Honda Civics everywhere. Right? You said, nobody buys a Subaru until you bought a Subaru, and then you're like, every eighth car is a Subaru on the freeway. Why? Because you're looking for it. The moment you start to look for opportunities to share the gospel, guess what? God's going to reveal those opportunities to share the gospel in everyday situations. So if you end up being in, I can't say the name of the place that Sherry's going to, right? I'm not even sure the people group you were talking about, the, you kept saying a word, I don't, would, she's going to write that down for us, now you're going to have to. You're going to write that down for us, and then so I can read it, because I'm not really sure the places and the names you were saying. You were saying a people group. But I'm not sure what that me- meant. I really don't know what that word is. So if you could send that email, I'll, I'll blast it out to you guys. Um, if you're there, that's where you're looking for opportunities. If you're right here in Irvine, you're looking for opportunities. If you're wherever you are, that's where you're looking for the opportunities. God's going to give you those opportunities right there, wherever you are. But you've got to pray it. So, so maybe you pray, pray daily this prayer. God, whom have you prepared for me to meet today? Maybe you wake up. So I don't know about you. I wake up. Uh, when I wake up, I can't say anything at first till I get to the shower. Right about mid-shower, I say, God, good morning. Oh, how was your night? I know it's weird. Ask God. <laughs> like, it probably wasn't night for him because he wasn't on earth. I, I know. But uh, how's it going, God? Uh, good morning. Um, what do you want me to pray for this day? What, what do you have for me? And then so maybe you make this part of your morning prayer routine. God, whom do you have for me to speak with today? Open my eyes to them. And the last strategy I want to share with you is to invite people to church. Come and see. Oftentimes when people had questions or they were curious, Jesus invited them to come and see. Come check it out. Someone said, yeah, well, what about this? Come and see. So our strategy is though Jesus isn't walking around physically, he is present in our gathering. He is the head of the church. And so you can invite some people to come and see. That puts a little bit of pressure on our church folks right now. The people are going to come and see. I'm going to invite some people to come and see how are we going to interact when our non-believing friends come and see this church. I know how you're going to react because you react the same way always, with love, compassion, kindness, goodness. Because you guys are fantastic. I would boldly invite any of my friends to come and see you. Because I know you'll treat them with honor and respect. It doesn't matter who they are. If I show up with a homeless friend next week, I know you're going to treat them with love and respect. If I show, show up with a, a gay friend that I've, I've met, I know you're going to show love and respect, and you're going to care about them. 
And so I, I absolutely don't mind telling my friends to come and sing. Sometimes maybe it's a little surprising. I don't know if you uh, accepted that challenge when we said a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving to invite a friend. Um, there's a guy I've been praying for for a long time. Uh, swim, my kids swim friend's parent. And I just went up to him and I said, hey, Bo, you want to come to church? I want to invite you. I gave him that invite card. And he looked at it guiltily. He looked at me and he said, okay. <laughs> and then Bo came with his two sons on Thanksgiving. I don't know if you know. He had never been in a church in his entire life and neither has his boys. Very first time ever stepping into a church building was right here on Thanksgiving. Just come and see. And everybody was kind and loving to them. So as you go right where you are, why not employ some Jesus-style strategies? I mean, when Jesus is doing it, they're pretty good strategies. There's never been a better teacher or example than Jesus. So as the praise man returns and we close for service, would you join me in praying a really specific prayer? Now, don't worry about the exact words of the prayer, but I want you to think about and pray through the idea that God is asking for you to have the courage and the ability to be part of fulfilling the Great Commission. To share your faith with others so that God's kingdom will expand. Would you, would you join me in praying, like in your own words right now, that, that God could move our hearts to care enough to actually share? Because if we don't care, none of this matters. And so maybe we need to first pray that prayer, God, help me to actually care. And then maybe you have the second prayer. God, open my eyes to the opportunities all around me. Would you join me in praying that, just in your own words, however that, where God's working in you right now. And we're going to worship together.